right, guys, welcome back to this edition of Timberwolves Talk. Today, we have a very special guest in with Timberwolves expert, Dane Moore. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Expert. expert. I'll take it. I'll hey, we'll take it. That. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah, for, for sure. So we just wanted to, you know, give our viewers a little bit of a background um, of about about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your podcast. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, so I've been, I guess, from a Timberwolves perspective, I've been covering the team. This is my this is my third year doing it full time. I was doing a little bit of like freelance stuff before, but yeah, I uh, I was I was I was covering full time as a writer mostly uh, for for Zone Coverage Minnesota. Um, that all changed up uh, professionally with the pandemic, as a lot of people's lives did. Um, so I was I was out of my own and uh, wanted to keep trying to do this. So I, I signed a partnership with uh, with Blue Wire Podcasts, and I'm kind of trying to trying to do like the beat right the same beat writer things I was doing, but all in um, in podcast form. So yeah. it, it's kind of been <clears throat> it's kind of been you know, in an adventure. I missed writing, honestly, uh, to some degree, but, but it's a lot easier to like fire out volume on podcasts. I feel like, so, you know, we're just, we're, ma- we're making the most of it. For sure. Love so you do a, you do an episode after every single Timberwolves game. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like my thinking was, is, you know, when, when you're like writing about the team, you, you write, you write like gamers after every game. Right. And yep. You know, this was a score. This is all that happened. So I'm trying to like repurpose that into, you know, a gamer podcast. But then I would also write like columns um, or, or like film breakdowns or stuff like that. So I still try and do like those longer type of things uh, as well. Like that would be more like an hour long episode. But it's it's I kind of made those be like my guest episodes. So it's it's I'm trying to hold on to the same ideas of like a gamer and a column, but just in audio format, I guess. For sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, it's great to hear a, uh, especially after we get a lot, we get pretty fired up after the Timberwolves games. Usually, <laughs> they make us like that, so it's good to relax, do a podcast, and kind of think a little bit more straight. But yeah, I guess going right into it, what do you think about the uh, the San Antonio game? Yeah, well, it, it's funny you bring up like the right after the game, you know, sort of emotions versus you know, like an hour or a yeah, couple yeah. hours later, you know, you kind of, I think everybody chills out. To, to some extent. Um, and I mean, I don't know, it, it, it's different. Like I grew up, I did grow up in Minnesota. So when I was a kid, like I was a fan of the Timberwolves. So I like have some of that, but um, I don't like, I don't view myself like a fan anymore, but it, but anybody who's covering a team, like <clears throat> you're, you're, you're invested in the team, you know? And I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I don't care if they lose, but you kind of want like competence yeah and and when it's incompetent that's what's frustrating you know and and so it's it's fun that's happened a lot this year right yep. uh and so it's funny if i just like slam the mic on right then and there i could <laughs> i could probably just go like off for 30 minutes and get in trouble but uh but what ends up happening is i go and do like the post game interviews with the, yep. the with saunders and the players and stuff like that and it's like a, it's like a couple hours later and I've like actually bullet pointed out what I'm going to say. So I don't, you know, I don't say anything too crazy, but it's, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. What did you, what were, what were your guys emotions in, in the oh. fourth quarter? And then I'll respond to that. Well, I, I was, Chris was like, look what I just said on Twitter. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what did he, 
what did he say because I... <laughs> yeah i mean that's what i'm that's what that's that was the point like i think we all get a little bit too fired up like right after the game you know and it's it is what it is but i i was just a little bit frustrated in that game obviously because of the 20 to 22 run in the fourth and i just me personally i'm i look at the statistics and see the see the rubio and delo on the court numbers together with their plus minus and i i get a little frustrated especially when we go even smaller from Josh we're already getting out rebounded so I think that was the, that was the most frustrating part and just the starters I don't think are are playing the amount of minutes I would let, I let would me cut you off real quick let me cut you off real quick so so I think the question is there right between by choosing to go with Ricky over Josh yeah. to, to close that game is you're prioritizing offense over defense sure. and and like obviously that didn't work but I understand the idea of prioritizing offense over defense and that's right because basically right they just needed they needed like a hand like four or five buckets or four or five stops to close the game so so if you're Saunders you're thinking how do I get four or five of these things and I think he bet on offense which makes sense on this team I think you have more offensive talent but Rubio being the bet to make is not a good bet well I I just don't think it, it works in in that situation when it's when it's with Dilo, like, I know I'm probably not as low on Rubio as, as you guys are, but as a two guard, I don't think it like, what are you getting? I, if, you, if you just put Rubio out there, which this would never happen. If you took Dilo off the floor there and you put Rubio out there for the last 10 possessions and you just ran a really structured offense, like you would probably get a couple of buckets, yeah. but if you put, but if you put him out there and he's at the, the two, there's no, he can't organize anything. I was, Delo's, Delo's usage rate in clutch time this season is 47%. 47%, that's insane. So literally that means no one else is leading the action right there. So, so yeah. Rubio, so Rubio doesn't make sense if you're taking the offensive path. I'm, I'm with you there, but, but it's not necessarily like Josh was the solution either, or that's where I kind of wrestle with it. I don't yeah. think if you leave Josh out there, we're like, all right, we stopped DeRozan good like yeah see my my solution to that was and I know we already played a lot of minutes in the fourth because obviously that bench lineup was in a a good amount before the starters so I I really like the Jaden McDaniels at the four matchup there and maybe he he has a little bit more length to guard DeRozan and provide a little bit more offense than obviously Josh can do but but he was getting up with the pump fake thing over and over again that's like Ant and Jaden couldn't I'm not saying Jaden's a bad defender but like the DeRozan matchup's unique there where I don't think any of them were guarding going to be able yeah, to guard I agree. The I agree. Yeah. But, sorry, I cut you off. So with the with the Rubio thing, that's exactly what I'm saying. I feel like the only time you would want Rubio there is if he's the one bringing the ball up the court and running the offense. Otherwise, I feel like he just doesn't provide that much value to the team, and I'd rather have someone else in the game, I guess. Yeah, who, though? Exactly. I, I agree. Like, I agree, but <laughs> but who are, you, who are you playing? I mean, if Josh went to have been a better offensive option. Right. Yeah, that's just the problem, I guess. I so, I mean, I guess you can say Jade in there, and that's like floor spacing. But I get the idea of wanting to close the game when you're trying to get execution with the 30-year-old over yeah. the 19-year-old. I think Saunders learned his lessons uh, by the last time they played the Spurs, right? By closing sure. that game with Ant and that, that disaster where he didn't you know, take the layup at the end of the game happened. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I, I'm totally here, like all of the Saunders stuff. And there are, and I've, I've nitpicked it on my podcast. There's plenty of things to like, like, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. 
but it's what I just said to you. It's like, okay, so this is bad, but what was the alternative? Exactly. And the alternative is it's always so limited because there's not good other options like out on the team too. So it's just a mess. It's a mess. Yeah, and I think, um, well, I, I was just going to say, I think Culver being out was really a big blow that game, especially because I think Culver possibly could have played that role in crunch. I was thinking that too. I'm with you. Yeah. What, yeah, were your, ahead, what were your thoughts on that foul on that like the the hack a shack with a uh, hurdle there? Yeah, that was interesting. We haven't seen that in a while, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. Saunders talked about it a little bit after the game, and he's he, he referred to Purtle as a twenty percent free throw shooter, which I was like, all right, maybe that's like a little much. A little maybe maybe he shoot twenty percent this year. I don't think yeah. the odds are that he would you know that he would miss multiple, but. But what he also said is like, we weren't getting stops. So, yeah. so it's basically just like the idea of, all right, odds are here that Pirtle makes one of these. And Which the odds did. that we stopped DeRozan are what, 25%. So, so it's 75% chance that he scores a two. So that's 1.5. Like, I think the math checks out there, mm-hmm. not because it's always a good strategy, but it's a good strategy when you, you're not defending at all, you know, like, which they weren't they were just going to give the ball to DeRozan and it was probably going to be him getting two points or kicking out to somebody for an open three I think that's just what was going to happen yeah you know, when I I'm, go ahead oh gosh okay we're not used to doing this um <laughs> oh three it's it's different you gotta, you gotta pass it's tough, the it's, it's tough with the two people for sure <laughs> um but what I was gonna say is like when I saw him do that I was like wow like we're actually getting some like good coach like that I don't know that excited me at least but if we would have just got the rebound, it would have looked a little bit better. You know, there, there have been more things like that too. I think it, it, it all depends on what like lens you look at it mm. through. Right. And that's why I try and like stay in the middle. You know, I try and see the things that Ryan's doing wrong. And I try and see the things that Ryan's doing right. And just when I've like texted some other like coaches and scouts of people that I know, like, you know, they, they'll point out like negative things, but one thing numerous people have pointed out to me is that like, they've said Ryan has really good ATOs. And like those, you know, those have been really, like really effective um, for this team. So I think it's like, I, I think it's wrong to say he's completely incompetent as a coach, as seems to be the abiding narrative right now. Um, does that make him a great coach? No, I, I, my personal opinion is I, I don't know. I mean, probably not, but we, we haven't got to see him coach like anything but a G league team for, pretty much three years you know yeah and i i've like you were saying i've seen improvements these past few games even because he's developing too as a coach just like the players with how young he is that's a good point it was great to see because peyton and i were talking about this it seemed like there's always just like a set in stone rotation every game like the starters are going to play this amount of minutes the bench is going to play this minutes the platoon rotation is what he's doing right now and it was nice to see d'lo running with the twos a little bit because i really thought he he helped them score and it was nice to see. I think I think um, they had some of the twos running with the ones too when D'Lo was resting. So I like I kind of like mix matching a little bit with that. It's weird though, like what you sacrifice in there is like so D'Lo subs out six minutes into the quarter, right? And then yep. he subs back in for like the last two or three minutes of the quarter, and then he's back out at the beginning of the second quarter. Yeah. And I would just imagine as a player that that would be very disorienting, and. And so we've, we've asked Ryan about that a lot of times. So what Ryan says, it's, it's because they want to have D'Lo in at the end of the quarters 
at the end of every quarter for like the bonus, um, which again is, see, I think this is one of the examples of like one of those smart things, but, but like just doing like the most analytically smart thing all the time, sometimes in my opinion, like neglects to acknowledge the human element of, of some sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I just feel like, I don't know, I would, if there's a way to like analyze how this whole bonus thing has worked, somebody tell me, um, but it just, it just feels off and it leads to this whole thing where, where Delo's minute, the, the rotation, it leads to the rotation feeling extremely structured yeah, and, yeah. and I'm with you there and that just doesn't feel right. It's, it's, and you know, I'm sure you guys watch other NBA teams too. It, it's, it's not like that with every other, you know, every other team in the NBA. And I think that's, you know, something to acknowledge. Yeah. Like I, especially with, I was watching the jazz a lot after um, we played them and their fluidity with like Jordan Clarkson coming in. And obviously they have a little bit more pieces than us at the moment, but Jordan Clarkson's such an X factor when he, when he's able to come into the game. So that, I don't know. Do we have that player? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's probably Malik or Dilo, but they're yeah. also the first and second best player. So mm-hmm. that's the difference, you know? Like that that's actually a really interesting, you know, question. I think when you when you talk about a big picture, probably more related to Malik is like if this is good in a year or two down the road, is is that Jordan Clarkson role what's best for Malik? And like Clarkson, I mean Clarkson still probably plays like 30 minutes a game, you know. So it's not that different than like the 32 Malik's playing right now as a starter. That's exactly. like the, the best player. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's a, I think that's an interesting one. And just judging by like what I know about Malik or just his body language. I don't know if he would love that. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's interesting, right? Like, I don't know. I think Malik Beasley like can be awesome yet might still be, best in a in a role like that where he where he's leading you know he's leading your second unit or something like very eric gordon like peak rocket stays you know something like that uh but the wolves have there's a whole lot of other pieces to 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 fill in there but that i think that's there needs to be more balance between the first and second unit so you're not just like oh crossing my fingers that ant makes like six of his seven shots this time when he's in with the Mm -hmm. second you know it's just like uh they're just so limited yeah Yeah, and kind of going off of Malik I guess and that is at the end of the game I don't know if you if you heard anything from Ryan but it it seemed like that that obviously Malik and Ant were having pretty good games especially Malik was pretty hot down the stretch is there a reason they to the to the average fan is there a reason it looked like he was playing hero ball for the last five or so yeah 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 well okay so that was my takeaway you know from just at the like the end of the game, I was like, "Oh my god, that was one million high pick and rolls for D'Lo." That's what, it, yeah. Same and thing. but but this is the, the problem is, and for anyone, you know, like we remember the ends of plays, we don't remember the beginnings of the plays, right? Yep. And so if you look, I went back and watched those possessions, and if you if you look at the beginning of at almost every one of those offensive possessions. They're trying to run a double drag. They're trying to run a pin down. They're trying to get like elevate Malik up. They're, they're like, there are actions going on. It wasn't just like, all right, four low, <laughs> yeah. Oz come up and screen for deal. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Because that's what it got to with like eight seconds left on the shot clock. So you're right in saying that it was hero ball. 
like at the end of the shot clock, but it wasn't at other times. And this is like, this is the execution problem with the team. Like you want to get the ball to Malik, right? Yeah. He's your best player right now. And he's having his best game of the season. Well, how do you do that? Well, you, he's not just like a give him the ball and let him clear out and do his thing. Like yeah. up top guy, you have to execute actions to get him the ball in those situations. Sure. And if you go back and watch it, like Nas is not a good screen setter. And in that game, he was particularly terrible. So he mm -hmm. wasn't able to get Malik any space to come get the ball. And Malik wasn't running. He wasn't executing his part of that play either, coming off of the Nas screens, like rub off his shoulder, you know, like classic eighth grade basketball stuff. Like that wasn't happening because he's caught up in the moment. And he's like, yo, I have 25 points. Like I just need to get the ball. It's not going to happen. That, and then that's your result. If you don't ex if Nas doesn't execute, if, if Nas doesn't set the screen, if Malik doesn't run off it properly and Dilo doesn't deliver him the ball, Malik can't get the ball. That's just how it works. And they were trying to do that poorly. And so it led to a bunch of Dilo hero ball, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's it. It's not like Dilo hasn't just played pure hero, hero ball at this at times this season too. Like, like that's happened. But if you go and look at it and you just like rip through Delo's offensive possessions this year, there's so many more of them where he's just like, shit, nobody did anything. I got to go to the basket. Like exactly. that, that's happened a lot too. So it's, it's a system failure. It's, it's like, a, it's a whole top, it's a whole top to bottom thing. That's how you become five and 16. Yeah. I feel yeah, like Delo is one of the most, like, he's just kind of the scapegoat for the team besides Saunders. I feel like people just love to like, rip on D1. yeah why do you think that is i honestly like i i, I mean it's just numbers like yeah historical numbers right I th and then also i think it kind of just plays into like the style of play that he has like the shots that he misses they look like yeah. terrible shots but like the thing about delo is like those are the types that's how he's always he been right yeah 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 it's no and i mean that's why to some extent delo hasn't always been an efficient player too yeah. but but it's I don't know. And I like you guys, I had way too much time, you know, this summer and I watched a ton of Brooklyn games from back in the 2018, 19 year. And this is what it looked like too. Like this is his game. I like, and I know he was like a, an asterisk all-star and all that sort of stuff, but what else do you want him to do? Yeah. He doesn't have explosiveness to get to the rim. So so if you put in the ball in his hands and setting a screen, what are his options? Pull up from three, pull up from mid-range or pass. Maybe what people would like is some more discernment there, right? Picking the best option of those three more option, more, more often. But who is he kicking the ball to? Josh Kogi? <laughs> Jarrett Culver? What would you do? What would you do? You know, I don't know. It's, uh, it hasn't been good. But I like that's a lot of what the roster is. It all comes back to that. It's like the rest of the roster isn't executing either. So yeah, what was and I, I don't know what exactly is going through his mind, but if I'm coming off that pick and I got DeJounte Murray on my backside and I see Josh Kogi on the wing, I, I might just be taking that mid-range shot instead of passing it to him on the wing. It might look the other way. <laughs> and, and he doesn't think – I mean, and part of it is, is he doesn't think the mid-range shot is as bad as most of his detractors do. And his detractors might be right. I think in, in a lot, you know, to a large extent, they are, generally speaking, right? The mid-range shot is bad. But it also ignores context, you know, that a, a 
a basketball player would feel. Like I've asked Dilo about this before and I'm just last year I wrote a whole thing on it and it was like, what, what value do you see Dilo in the mid range thing? And, and for him, it's about, it's about being able to knock that down one time so that the next time either the big comes up, right. And you can go past him to the rim or you have to have somebody chipping in or tagging in or what, whatever. And then you have something from there. It's, I don't think D'Lo is stupid. And, and there would be, there are some players who shoot a lot of mid range shots in the league who I would say are just stupid. And it's just like, Oh, that's what I've always done. I think he sees, I think he's trying to play 3d chess with it, but part of the problem is, is that he's just not quite good enough at hitting that mid range shot right now. And you got to be able to hit that at a high rate for the 3d chess to fall into place. That's why it works for KD. That's why it works for Kawhi. You know, that's why it works for Kyrie. That's why you're fine with those guys taking those because they're hitting 50 plus percent of those shots. Thus far, Dilo is not. And basically the hope is that he starts doing that once he's next to cat. Um, and if not, then it just won't work. It just won't. It's just the offense won't be as good as everyone wants it to be. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you um, see? When do you think, when is cat going to be back in your eyes? When do you think? <laughs> oh man. If I had a dollar for every time somebody DM'd, emailed or replied to him, I don't know. I know. No, no, we don't know. Like I it's, it, nobody knows people in the organization don't know. Exactly. It's, no one knows. It, I mean, you guys have been following the team. Your listeners I'm sure have been following the team too. They're not exactly transparent with injury stuff and this, and like, I have, I have pushed back on the injury stuff and wanting to be transparent and pushing on that. It's hard for somebody like me, who's there asking the questions or the other reporters, this feels like a topic that's harder to press on um, because it is COVID. So for me personally, like you're asking the questions, but you're not, you're not like hammering at it, you know, and, and yeah. trying to be like, well, you know, what's his viral load? Like, no, you know, um, it, it just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's bizarre. I think it's bizarre the way they've, they generally speaking, you know, try and, you know, try and handle that because I don't feel like that fits this fan base. Well, um, I think maybe if you're in a really big market, right. Like you have a million fans and and you just kind of try and stay very surface level because whatever that'll work but here you have such a whittled down fan base that the ones that are very dedicated are the ones who are following all this stuff in great detail and are reading what the the you know the injury report says they're reading every one of our tweets you know they're listening they're reading every article they're doing all this stuff and they're parsing doing they're just going the fans are going this doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? And I don't know. I mean, I've obviously never been on the other side of the equation. I'm biased as a media person who would want more transparency, but it's, uh, it's weird and related to cat. I don't know. And it is what it is. They're like, <laughs> he'll be back at some point. It's not like they're trading him. I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what, what else people I mean, what do people want to know? What, what, like, what should I be asked? What questions would you want answered? See, that, that's the thing is like, I think 
I think all these like just fans with like fan pages and little podcasts kind of like us. And we're like, I think there's just so much speculation that when it gets out, like everyone's so like, Oh, like cats going to, Oh, we got a little two day break here. He's going to come back on this day. And then when he doesn't, everyone gets really mad. And it's just, it's so, it's, there's just so much false information. I've been like, I saw someone with 10,000 followers say they thought cat was going to be back for the last game against the Spurs. Like it's, it's, you can't speculate on any Who of says that. that? Yeah, like exactly. I, I these are just nobodies that have no no. That was not going to be back. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, here's okay. Yeah. So here, that's I should where the answer, frustration comes in. I so think I should. That. This is what I can't answer. Is once he is back, whenever that is, he, and that might have already happened. Yeah. He's going to need this time to recover. Yeah. In terms exactly. of endurance, as as you know, Wancho is right. Exactly. You know, yeah. as, as as they're saying. So that makes sense. I think that makes sense to all of us. You just had a virus that directly impacts your breathing. You're probably not going to be in very good shape after having that for three weeks. Definitely. So, so what I think is weird is it's like, all right, cat needs to recondition. We all get that. All of us who are approaching this logically get the fact that you have to recondition. We get that with Wancho too. So has that process started? You know, I think that, you know, that's the question because if it has started, if it started, you know, a week ago, then maybe it's only another week. If it's two weeks of recon, I'm just throwing numbers out there. Like, but if that hasn't started yet and, you know, he's going to miss, you know, it's going to be three more games before he even starts being able to recondition. Now we're talking about, it's been three weeks, three more weeks that he's out. And that's what 12 more games like that. That's the big difference. And I, I don't know. We don't have, we don't have transparency on that. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting thing. Cause we were talking about Darren Wolfson about that. And he said the exact same thing. So do you think there's a reason that this organization is more non-transparent than others when it comes to injuries? It's a Houston thing. That was, that was, that's a Houston thing back to, you know, Darren Moore it is. It's yeah. the, um, I, it, they're not breaking the rules. These like, if, if people have a problem with the way that the Timberwolves are handling this, like legally, they're not doing anything wrong. You yeah. know, the, these are the, there are HIPAA restrictions in play. There's all, I, okay, I looked into all this stuff last year when I was like, what in the world? Cat, the cat was day to day. It's been 15 games, you know? <laughs> and like, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those situations where like things would need to change in the collective bargaining agreement and all that sort of stuff to, to necessitate more like more transparency. So it's, it's just the wolf sliding more on the side of the gradient of, you know, wanting to be, um, they're not trying to mislead. They're just trying from the conversations I've had, they don't want to say some, like the last thing they want is to say somebody's going to be back in two weeks and then they're actually back in four weeks. Cause that's what happens with a lot of injuries, right? It is a timetable. And, um, for one reason or other, that's very important to them is, is to not, is not to set up a date and then for that player not to be able to come back at that time. So they're playing within the rules. If it were me, I would lean a little bit further on the gradient, but I'm a biased media person. Exactly. Kind of like, exactly. <laughs> kind of, kind of like the Derek Rose thing, like with his ACL, how the fans thought he was going to be back way earlier, but he wanted to like sit out the season, you know? Is that yeah. kind of 
Like I, they don't want to put pressure on the players to try to make them come back earlier. Is that kind exactly. of exactly? Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, because you don't want to. That ends up like shaping a narrative on the player. Makes them good that yeah. they're soft or something like that, you know. And and really, like, injury timetables are ambiguous. ACLs, perfect example, right there, right? Like, you have guys who can come back and like you can come back from an ACL and play like high level sports in, in like five or six months. Like mm-hmm. people do that in the NBA. We almost always see like a minimum of nine months though. And then some guys need 12 months. It is like, it's a body to body thing. And it's a, and it's a, how much risk do you want to like incur by, you know, cause the earlier, the earlier you come back, even if you're cleared, like, the, the more likely you are to, to re-tear it. So. Exactly. And I think, uh, well, go, kind of going off of injuries, I think a uh, lesser problem than Cats COVID was obviously the wrist, which could be a, uh, obviously a more serious injury. So is that, do you think he'll still have that wrist brace on after this? Um, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, it was, I mean, it was more like a cast yeah like it, I, don't, I think Club almost brace yeah like brace undersells it um <laughs> i don't know because uh, okay so now how long has he been out well it was okay so it was after the second game which was like basically january 1st so that's now it's been almost four or five weeks since the mm-hmm. wrist injury um i mean it's like to recover from that without surgery is like six to eight weeks. So I think like right now, if he started playing basketball, he would still need more bracing, uh, you know, on that thing. And and who knows, maybe that's part of the reason why they're taking this really slow back with the COVID too. They're just like, all right, wait till you're hundred percent from COVID because that will also correspond with the risk being back to hundred percent. I don't know that, but if we're looking for reasons why Wancho's name shows up different on the injury report and why he's wearing a Jersey on the sidelines when cats wearing clothes. Like, I think that's a natural, you know, connection to make there, but I don't know specifically if he's going to come back clubbed up or not. Definitely. So do you, um, from what I like perceive you go to the home games, right? Yes, I do. Yep. Um, yeah, I go to all the home games. That's all. Where do you, where do you like sit and stuff? Where is like, how does that work? So it's funny in the preseason, we were the upper deck. And I'm like, you know, I don't think I'm going to do this. This ain't, what's the point? Yeah. Um, but now, so, okay, rewinding. Normally the media seats are very good. They're right next to the Wolves bench. Like it's the last spot on the bench and then it's my seat. Yeah. Um, and, and so we've been, it's not like that at every stadium. Like I've covered games in other places and sometimes you're, you know, up high um, at, at different stadiums. So it goes from this really good spot to then in the preseason we're in the upper deck and now it's like uh it's in the lower bowl but at half court um and like at the top like kind of the top of the lower bowl there um which those those seats are actually good it's like i well you can see everything well and then it's so quiet in there you could hear everything like you could i'm on the opposite side of the benches um of the player benches and you can hear anytime anybody like 
escalate elevates their voice um you could you know you can hear what they're saying so so when malik's screaming like a crazy person you can hear him <laughs> well i'm just so used to that now that's just like that's background noise but it's uh it is super funny at the uh pelicans game that they won right like uh ricky is lining up for free throws on the left side which is in front of the pelicans bench which is right in front of me and jj reddick is just starts chirping him from the bench and he's like he goes gotta put a little more arc on that bud <laughs> just line driving that thing and oh yeah it's just it's just it's just funny because that i would never be able to you know normally hear when you got a million not a don't have a million fans at wolves games no but <laughs> it, it, it's just it feels so much to me like i've covered uh like high school basketball and like AU in the past. And it feels, it feels, it reminds me so much of that where, you know, it's just kind of like the game's going on and then people are just kind of walking around like 10, 20 people are just walking around the court. <laughs> it's, it's so different than a, a normal NBA game in that way. And they have, they have Lexus cars parked under the hoop for some reason. And guys <laughs> just like sit on the cars sometimes for like, it's, well, it's like they're there for promotional reasons. And, uh, I don't know. It's it's all it's all very very bizarre. Hey, at least at least they're getting to play though. That's I guess the positive. Yeah, no, for sure. And and I'm very thankful that I'm able you know to be to be going to the games. You know, oh, it's awesome. uh, it's uh, I guess it's literally something money can't buy. You know, so uh, it's it is it is cool. You know, to to that extent, and it's been a really unique experience um in, in in hearing so much i mean i'm saying the joking things but like you pick up on a lot of stuff and that when you're there in person that it isn't caught on the camera like just from a positioning on the floor standpoint and, and all those sort of things so it's i think it really helps my coverage to be able to to be around even if i'm not in the locker room anymore yeah and i bet like the I, I would be really interested to hear like the defensive chatter and what they're all, how like all the switches are working within that. And um, just all the call outs. Like, I think that'd be. Really you miss Gorgie cool for that, man. Gorgie yeah. was the, Gorgie was the booming voice. <laughs> they need, uh, they need that. They need that voice back in there, but it's yeah. No, it is. It's cool. Yeah. yeah so, so, I mean, looking forward to, I guess the thunder game tonight, if there's ever a game to get back on track after a tough loss, I mean, the thunder, what have eight, eight players tonight and they're without probably their three, three best. I mean, what do you, I was just watching, I was just watching the thunder game, their last game, which they also played without uh, like Shea and Dort and um, George Hill, like without all of them and they beat the Rockets by 20. So it's like, this year's weird like that, where the, the NBA is always weirder than that. And you think where you're like, oh, this team's way better. This team is worse than that team. Like they should win. Like it, in the regular season, it doesn't always shake out like that. And like, if you have eight guys and they play all the positions, <laughs> like you should be, you should be all right. If you, if four of those eight guys are bigs, now you're in trouble. Like that one Sixers game this year, but like the Thunder, the Thunder have live players. They're not that much worse. Like the guys who are playing aren't that much worse than the Wolves, like yeah. backups. So, I'm, or they're maybe better. So, I, like, I'm certainly not chalking up a win or like that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just hoping uh, Darius Baisley doesn't drop like 45 on us tonight. I'll I'll be happy. Darius Baisley, he's interesting. Kenrich Williams, like, I bet you he'll have like 15. Hamadou Diallo is like bad, but he's, he's athletic. <laughs> he's I mean, fun to play with in 2k. 
Yeah, exactly. And yeah, this is basically going to be a 2K game, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. And Al Horford, like, Al Horford is solid. So it's, it's not – they're not playing a G League team. And yeah. I don't know. At, at the same time, like, I, don't, I haven't looked at, the, like, the line or anything on the game. Uh, but I don't know. Should the Wolves be favored? Honestly, I if I, I I thought I I don't know if they've made the line yet, but honestly, I, I could see the Wolves as a betting favorite this game. What what, what would you what, guess what the line is? I'm gonna look it up. Ooh, minus, oh gosh, Wolves minus uh, two and a half. <laughs> I'm gonna guess that the Thunder. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess the Thunder are one point favorites. But if I can ever get this to this is this is really good podcasting right here. <laughs> hey, that's all right. Oh my god. Okay, okay. Oh no. NBA Action Network free free sponsorship. Oh, <laughs> Wolves by one. Wow. Wolves by one. That's yeah. a rare. It's a rare That's Wolves favorite. Rare right favorite. <laughs> it it started. It started at Wolves minus two and a half, and then people have been hammering the thunder to drop it down to, <laughs> to Wolves minus one. Gosh. I, even... I mean, hey, maybe maybe I'll have to bet on a Wolves game. I haven't seen us as favorites in a while, so <laughs> that isn't the reason to bet on a Wolves game. <laughs> because they're not favored. Be that is not that is not a reason. <laughs> I, I would I would take that. I would take the Wolves. I'll take the Wolves to win tonight. At a one point favorite, I, I think I might take them. Sure, why not? I mean, I just I just don't want to be disappointed. That's the only thing, man. Like we got, we're going into the weekend. I don't just I don't want to have a tough start to the weekend with this disappointing game. <laughs> But, you're the wrong. You're in the wrong business, then, man. But you never know. <laughs> God, yeah. Well, yeah. But thank you for so much for coming on. Like, no great talking to you. Great personality. Mm-hmm. Everyone, go listen to his podcast. By the way, where where can they find it? On the internet, <laughs> the the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Yeah, I'm doing like uh, five or six episodes a week. Um, after after every game, the next morning, I'll be up there. I. Recorded a, a long one with uh, Britt Robson, who writes for The Athletic, a couple days ago. Um, and I did a film review with uh, one of my friends who's a coach of Anthony Edwards this week, too, in addition to that wonderful uh, San Antonio game. Uh, that's that's my last one in the feed right now. And then I'll have something after the San Antonio game. So Hopefully it's yeah. a positive one. Hopefully we're going to have a very positive podcast coming out. <laughs> but you never Minus know. one. Minus 50-50. <laughs> Point flip. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, thank you for everyone watching, um, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Peace out, guys.